wait for Glinton, he said again. A sigh escaped my lips, for I knew very well why he would hanker so for Glinton, and it affected me deeply. Yes, I said. Glinton is near Northborough. It's on the same road. Mr. Ward drew the horse in and the cart stood beside us. Are you tired? I asked. Why not ride a while with us? He looked ahead at the shadows that the tree's branches were casting on the road. It was full summer and they were thick-leaved, the shade deep. He took the arm I offered him. His hand was sun-browned and grimy against the paleness of my skin where my sleeve fell back yet my arm was strong and firm, whereas his hand gripped tight as a baby's fist round a finger as he climbed up into the cart. So weak was he from long journeying. Charles, whose eyes had been as round as plates through all this strange exchange, moved along the wooden bench to make room for his father and stared in a most unseemly manner. He looked as if he would say something to greet him, but I shook my head in case he received the same blank stare as I had and be hurt. Mr. Ward flicked the rein and we set off, John safely between Charles and myself. John took off his hat and held it on his knees, and I took the chance to observe him. Although he'd been away from us a full four years... Beneath the stains of the road, he looked, if anything, younger. His cheeks were plump, and his slight frame had filled out, as if he had had good food and regular. His hair was still fair, with no trace of grey, while I myself had a little at my temples, although it didn't show much among the brown. He was wearing different clothes from those he went away in, a dun coat of good cloth, though lightened by dust and smeared with grass stains, and a yellow neckerchief. For the first time, I noticed a bundle in his pocket, and knew from its square-cornered and lumpy shape that it was books tied in a handkerchief. At this, I could not forbear to smile. For only John would come away on a journey of nigh on eighty miles, with no bottle for drink, but with books for company. We trotted on for a while, John staring at Mr. Ward's back, which was indeed all he could see from where he was sitting. Suddenly, he tapped him on the shoulder so that he glanced round. "'Aren't you from Helpstone, my native village?' he said. You look uncommonly like Mr. Ward. A broad smile grew on Mr. Ward's face. Indeed I am, very same. This is your wife, Paddy, and your son, Charles. John looked quickly, side to side at us, then back to Mr. Ward. Oh, I thought at first that you must be his brother, he said. Mr. Ward bellowed with laughter. Come, John, have I changed so much? He said. 
My brother is not the man. I could pick him up under one arm by the time I was ten year old. And we all laughed, for indeed it was true. His brother looked nothing like him, being red-haired and slim-built, and cause for talk in the village when he was born. We proceeded then, in greater comfort for a while, and I told John the news from Helpston, our old home, with John nodding and smiling as if he remembered all and it was dear to him. Presently, Charles took his collection of pooty shells from his pocket, a handful of glossy shells, some whirled in brown and green, some tiny and a whitish-grey. John admired them, as a good father should. My hand stole across and covered his, and he did not push it away. We began to pass through country close to Helpston.